Welcome to the Bumblecast. I'm your host, Ian Flynn, the Bumble King, and joining me as always is my Bumble co-host, Kyle, JCRB Krause. Oh, let's go, gamers. We're here. It's time for the Bumblecast. And uh we're we're gonna we're gonna have a good time. We're gonna talk about oh, it's about Sonic again. <laughs> More or less. Uh, these questions come to us from our patrons over at patreon.com slash bumblecast, ko-fi.com slash bumblecast, and our YouTube members. All right. Well, I guess we'll start off. We'll start off, uh, fittingly enough, with four Sonic fan. Let's say things didn't go this complicated, and Scourge survived the Super Genesis wave. He only got his memories erased from his old days. How would you change his memories? What flashbacks would he get if we saw him again? That is a fascinating question, because so much of Serge's character revolves around being evil Sonic, you know, a purely derivative creation. And if you remove that context, what does he have left? Like, if we are able to, like, if we're talking in a scenario where the whole antiverse can be salvaged, and just kind of retooled, then the the context remains. You know, maybe we can get around the weird Master Emerald power up, you know, ambiguous power scaling nonsense. And it's just he, it, that version of Sonic in that universe was Scourge, you know, simplify a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of a Ultraman versus Superman type of thing. And then you could still have that dichotomy and identity crisis, maybe, especially if you establish that. Sonic is the prime still, you know, Scourge, who is all ego, finding out that he's a cosmological knockoff. <laughs> he goes after that. So that could still work. But if, like, it was wholesale gone, like, if we could only transplant Scourge in his present incarnation, he wouldn't have a past. That would be gone. There would be nothing to recontextualize. He would just be this odd entity this leftover, this unaccounted for integer. And all he would really know is this ingrained hatred for Sonic, but he wouldn't know why. And exploring that could be fascinating. That's a little bit of a, that's a little bit of surge. A little bit. um, Just a little, yeah. Different roads leading to similar destinations, but (laughs) I don't know. There's a lot of different ways you could take then all of them would be really neat <laughs> he's a time variant tva is gonna hunt him down <laughs> <laughs> wow i don't know that'd be kind of cool actually here's one from andrew d i'm a little confused on what is part of the new misadventures arc issue 62 solicitation states that a new misadventures art starts in this issue and concludes in 66 but 63's story is titled misadventures part one 62 removed from the misadventures arc was a mistake made or 62 treated as part zero of sorts. I don't know. It was on my end. It wasn't really a whole arc idea. It was kind of like a loose grouping. Um, I don't know how editorials putting it together, but I wouldn't think of it as like a hard concrete arc. This isn't like metal virus. This is, you know, lighter individual stories. So don't get hung up on zeros, ones, twos, whatever. It's it is what it is. Misadventures of Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh wait, never mind. Hold on. No. Here's one from Anonymous. 
Let's imagine for a moment that Sonic and Amy swap genders, and it's the boy who aggressively chases the girl with a hammer because she forgot a date, sat on her with her hammer in hand so she wouldn't escape, threatened to hit a child so she wouldn't come out of hiding, and wouldn't accept I don't want to marry you as an answer. Don't you think this perpetuates the double standard of society that is much more flexible with harassing women? Even if the boy calmed down a little over time like she did, people would still want him in jail because society has zero tolerance for men harassing women. But Amy can act as if nothing had happened, and without receiving any kind of punishment for her bad past bad behavior. She hasn't even apologized to him for all the trouble she caused. It doesn't seem very fair to me. Let's face it, no one would like to see Sonic aggressively chasing Amy with a hammer without taking into account her consent. Well, here's the thing, Anonymous. They they aren't real. <laughs> They're fictional characters. They're cartoon characters. Now, to be fair, yeah. there is a greater discourse to be had if you know there was this swap. You know, would a younger, more obsessive Sonic or male Amy be any more or less acceptable than Amy was? And there is a broader discussion to be had there, and I frankly don't want to wade into those waters because I'm not prepared for that kind of actual discourse. But within the context of the narrative itself, there was a little bit of discussion on how much we want to go back and highlight that and try to remedy tie a bow on it. And it was ultimately decided within various groups that it did more damage to try to dredge it up and establish it again just to deal with it. Amy's characterization has fluctuated over the past 20-something years, 30 if you want to count the classic era, just by virtue of chasing trends and what was popular in uh, media at the time and maybe a little atonal writing here and there. So... It's no less as helter-skelter as the lore in general. Tales was a little easier to tie a bow on in Frontiers, but Amy's, it felt like you have to bring back all this old dirt on her just to bury it again. It didn't seem like it was really worth the effort. Sonic's not someone to hold grudges like that. Amy is a in a better place than she was before. Kind of better to just say, yeah, if you were around for that and you remember it, it happened and they've they're bigger people and they've moved on something to keep in mind is a lot of these personal character arcs are stuff that we as the sonic fans catalog and know about offhand but in the greater audience it is virtually unknown Mm -hmm. yeah yep so so many of these games where it was highlighted are not accessible anymore because the hardware isn't in circulation nor is the software so it is something that has occurred to me. You're not wrong. I wish we could delicately address everything, but at the end of the day, what does it serve the greater whole and the greater character interaction? And it's like, you know what? Sometimes you just got to pick up and move on, not from the characters themselves, but what it means on the larger meta context. I think we can assume that the apologies, any apologies and stuff happened off screen because i mean i haven't really had a chance to go back to it just in terms of like narrative in games and stuff like when are you gonna have a chance to go back to that so that and getting any kind of you know, direct 
open discussion between the two of them about their relationship is like pulling teeth. (laughs) Well, I mean, just character driven stuff in general in Sonic very rarely happens. Like the comics, notwithstanding and murder of Sonic. But other than that, really, it's, it's not a common thing. So, ah, oh, well, here's one from Astro Seed P. A while back, I asked about the ownership of the ghost characters from Night of the Werehog. At the time, you weren't able to give an answer, and you said you'd ask about it if they ever came up in a pitch. Well, with them having a small cameo in issue 63, did you learn anything interesting? With the Marza staff Twitter page posting about it and you replying to that post, would it be safe to assume that their ownership is different than other Sonic characters? I still find it funny that it didn't take long at all to return to this question. Yeah, seriously, the timing on that was funny. <laughs> what a coincidence. If if I remember correctly, I could be off, but if I remember correctly, that cameo was actually currently in kind of development at the time. So I knew it was coming, but I didn't want to comment on it in case it got nixed, you know. Uh, but from that, uh, La and the Ghosts are Marza characters. Now... I think Marza is owned by Sega. Technically, it, yes. It's still kind of its own thing. So for their cameo to work, we had to get special permission from Marza. And they were cool with it. Like, that was some of the fastest approval turnarounds I have ever seen. So, you know, very thankful for them for being cool with it. And for Sega, you know, not outright throwing out the idea and actually asking and, you know, everybody talking and cooperating to get it to work. Because that, that was a nice little treat for folks. <laughs> That's cool. I'm glad. Although it is kind of funny that it was happening at the same time they asked about it. <laughs> <laughs> that in mind, though, I would say that probably makes sure that they're not going to be showing up in any kind of major capacity because now we know they're not really accessible. We got this one off for funsies, but I think anything else would require like serious negotiation to talk and that may not be uh, possible. Oh, well, maybe someday. A far off Sunday. Someday. Batman 69 Law has a question. What is your process when you create characters? How do you figure out their personality, their voice, and how do you keep writing them consistently? Oh, big question. Uh, hmm. <laughs> Number one, it depends on the project. Like, is this a main character? Is this a side character? Is this a one-off? What what purpose do they serve? And what is their uh, time scale? You know, is this supposed to be the one-time joke character to facilitate a story, or is this supposed to be a long-running, reoccurring character? Uh, What is their relationship to the cast? Are they a new addition to the main cast? Are they going to be a principal character, main supporting character? And what is their relation, and how does that relationship shape them? Like, what is their history with the principal cast? And where are they going personally? How do those all interact? Uh, God, this is the scope. So large a scope. <laughs> uh, I, I, okay. Let, let me narrow the focus here. Cause I'm, I'm getting lost in the woods with Drogoon. Yeah. Uh, wind is the central character and her personal struggle is one of great power coupled with uh, great restraint. And to make that the most interesting, she is a very wild and vivacious and energetic and confrontational person. But because of her situation, she's constantly having to rein herself in and be reserved. 
and she hates that. And that immediately creates some fun tension within her own journey. And then you have Lissy, her adopted little sister. And to make her interesting, she is the antithesis of wind. She is optimistic. She is open-minded. She is curious. She is uh, loving and sweet and adorable where wind can be kind of abrasive. And that dichotomy right there creates an interesting juxtaposition between the two and creates ways for them to bounce off each other, both positively and negatively. The rest of the cast goes from there. You know, how do they interact with wind? What aspects of her do they bring out in new ways? How do they allow her to express herself? And in turn, how are they enriched by their, her, their interactions with her? And once that network is kind of established, it's like, okay, if this character is like this, if wind is this kind of abrasive confrontational person, when you put her in any given situation, how does that, how does she react to a degree? It's almost like uh, method acting and you are playing every single role. It's putting my perspective as best I can into theirs and then seeing where it goes. While at the same time, trying to be an objective observer and making sure that the plot doesn't meander in 700 different directions, <laughs> much like this answer is doing right now. So in summation, it takes a lot of thought and analyzation and pre-writing to get it all in there and a lot of practice to, you know, get good at doing that and the occasional moment of stepping back and reevaluating where you are and not just taking for granted what has come thus far, because you can get comfortable into in the tropes and the cadences that these characters have that people gravitate towards and go, okay, is that who the character really is? Or is that what people are starting to perceive them as? Do I need to realign with them? All righty. Anything else? I really ought to write a book. <laughs> I mean, d depending on who you've asked, you've written quite a few. Well, <laughs> just on like writing stuff. Just, you know, here's how you do, I think. <laughs> here's how I do. I don't know if you want to do it this way, too. It's up to you. <laughs> All right, here's one from Chaos Sonic 1. Sonic Superstar spoilers. So is Trip the newest guardian of North Star Island? When looking at the preview, Trip's armor looks like the armor those people on the wall have about the powers and the final boss in the center. I don't know how much I can talk about yet, because I don't know how much is conveyed in the game itself. I don't know how much text is there and how much more they want public just yet a lot of the storytelling is done very passively but yeah yes trip is the most current guardian of north star island and there have been previous guardians and i think it's safe to say that the the armor she wears is ceremonial i think i'm okay saying that anything else i should probably not specify just yet because I, I don't know if I got the clearance to do so. Okay. Here's one from Chunka. While Sonic and the rest of the cast ages are now unknown, everyone seems to still agree that Sonic is around 15 or 16. So I'm curious, how would you feel about Sonic using modern day teen slang? Like, let's go. I feel like anytime things like games or movies use it, it can come off as a little cringy. So I'm interested to hear you two stance on it. That is always a tricky bit of business, especially with Sonic, who is supposed to be 
reflective of what is cool at the time. Big oof. (laughs) (laughs) We've talked about this before, how, you know, introduced in the 90s, he was geared towards what was cool then, and that has since shifted significantly. So I personally try to avoid it where I can, because I've never been cool, ever. <laughs> well, at least you admit uh, it. I, I have ever, even when I was a teenager, I felt like that hello fellow kids meme that gets trotted <laughs> out so much. I mean, never I, been in the loop, always I, been behind the curve. I felt like that since I was like five years old. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're both the same, Ian. It's why we get along so well. I and think so. There's also the time delay. So like if something is the hot expression now, it's going to be old hat before it even comes out in a comic, you know, six months down the line or so. Even worse if they tried to put it in the game. So if I do try to use slang, I try to do stuff that's at least somewhat timeless or might work. I I know I've more than likely stumbled on this more than once. And Sonic's got some cringe dialogue thanks to me. So it goes. Yeah, Time makes fools of us all. But in general, I just try to keep him universally cool without having to rely too much on what is the slang at the time. <laughs> I'm just laughing at the people in the chat. Uh, I'm just... <laughs> Oh, imagine Sonic saying, <laughs> so sad, Eggman died of ligma. <laughs> <laughs> Which was the style at the time. <laughs> Yo, Eggman, watch me hit the gritty. <laughs> uh, Sonic doing a Fortnite dance. Wait, he did that in the freaking movie. Never mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I Sonic is a freaking Sonic is timeless. Sonic can do whatever he wants. Not that gritty. That's a different gritty. Oi, oi! I mean, of course, Sonic would say "Let's go," though he says it all the time. Gotta go. Let's go fast. Gotta go fast. Let's go, gamers. Here's one from Cool Christy One. As much as I hate Dr. Robotnik and his accomplice, Snively, will we ever see a Saturday morning Sonic the Hedgehog comic from IDW? I hear that the TMNT are very popular with their own series as a Saturday morning cartoon. I highly doubt it. For a variety of factors that I don't want to get into, because it's going to make somebody mad somewhere. But uh, I I don't see it happening. Sadly, unfortunately, I, I wish... It were real, but it is not. DDR Master M has a question. With that question of the IDW Sonic characters at the Olympics a while back, I must know, what Mario characters, if any, would they be most thrilled to meet, ask autographs of, and or enjoy being around? Ah, uh, I imagine Amy and Peach would hang out like no problem. Uh, I think Knuckles and Daisy would probably compete even outside of regular events. <laughs> they seem the sporty types. Uh, I imagine Tails and Luigi would get along, you know, the kind of superstar understudies, mm-hmm. compare notes. And Sonic and Mario are just kind of eyeing each other from across the field. A little respectful nod, but they keep their distance. They know how it is. <laughs> Immense respect, you know, for each other's work. Absolutely. But they also know that they're not going to get along. 
So they're just, they're just going to keep the distance. It's going to be fine. Except in the Probably end, they do get along. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a coward's way out. Yeah, well. <laughs> Rough and tumble meet Wario and Waluigi. <laughs> and they get conned so bad. <laughs> Which ones? Rough and tumble. Oh, okay. By a mile. I was going to say. <laughs> Which ones? Yes. They con each other. <laughs> it's a con loop. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, all right. Here's one from Domino. How would you structure a story for a Sonic fighting game? For example, NetherRealm Studios has their story mode split into character chapters. The downside of this format is, is that some characters don't get a chapter which usually means they end up being jobbers slash cannon fodder type characters. It's also difficult to create a good reason for certain characters to fight. Yeah. Yep. And you also have the issue where when you have, you know, character chapters, if you don't like that character, you're kind of stuck with them for a while, which is annoying. Yeah. Uh, kind of feel like Street Fighter six had a really good way to do it where you are the character interacting with these other staples of the franchise get a little taste of their worldview or you know what makes them tick and then move on with the principal story so i don't know maybe that would be the best way to go this feels like sonic forces Forces again except better structured (laughs) (laughs) but just just take that character creator there you go you know same thing i mean it's kind of running parallel with battle except Emerald was so passive for most of the game. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe that is the solution is bring back the avatar in some fashion and have them seeking to better themselves by going to the greatest heroes the world has ever known and getting tutelage from them. And then Eggman causes some kind of malarkey, as he always does. And you, know, you go beat them up with all the skills you learned from all your new friends. Then, yeah, I mean, that sounds cool. Sounds good to me. Here's one from E200 Paragon. Imagine if Omega finally had Eggman at his non-existent mercy, but he's interrupted by Sonic. Omega's sole directive is to kill Eggman and any non-compliant intruders that get in his way. But Sonic would never allow Omega to do this. Thus, my question is this. How would Sonic resolve such a conflict where he's one wrong move away from being the walking arsenal's next target? Oh, they fight. Oh, they fighting. Oh, they, they fight. They fight real good. <laughs> like, Sonic's objective is to keep Omega occupied long enough for Eggman to escape. That's it. That is the best scenario he, he has. Because we know Omega's got the oomph to him to bring down Shadow. Thank you, Sonic 06. Sonic and Shadow are supposedly comparable in power. So, yeah. Sonic would be holding his own as best he can until Eggman skedaddles. And then Omega's like, curse you, I will hunt you down. And then as he's running off after Eggman, Sonic can take a breather. Ooh, yeah, yeah. It would be a good fight, though. I want oh. I want, I want, want ABT to draw it. <laughs> I mean, I want him to draw everything, to be fair, but still. <laughs> We're talking Marza earlier. Let them animate it. Ooh, delicious. Delicious. Feast for the eyes. Here's a question from Endabend. So, Ian, say you were given the task to bring Infinite into the IDW comic somehow as a semi-recurring character and had free range to develop him. What's a way you'd give his character a bit more nuance? 
I feel like Post Force's Infinite could have some interesting potential if handled right, unless he's just too weak to grow as a person. <laughs> I think that's his fundamental flaw, is he is a weak person. Mm-hmm. He measures himself against everyone else and sets an impossible bar. You know, any setback is considered devastating and humiliating. So he's going to be seeking revenge for anything that he perceives as a slight going way too hard and (laughs) having to be smacked back down, which just feeds back into the loop. So we would have the, the highest of highs where he is at his peak power and totally arrogant and so sure of himself. And he's going to be doing all these evil things because he's that much stronger than you weak, pathetic fools. And then, you know, he gets his, tail handed to him and he's just like i'm not weak this can't be happening <laughs> he just carries around a boombox playing his theme song on loop all the time <laughs> <laughs> and there's there's a certain tragedy be, to be had there because if he could just get over himself for a hot minute he could probably become either a truly formidable villain in the long term or you know, maybe Andy hero. I don't know if he'd go full, you know, good guy, but he has potential. He could focus it into something more productive, but he is constantly measuring himself against others and his own twisted expectations. And it just keeps tearing him down. He is his own worst enemy. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense to me. And here's a thematically appropriate question from Fang. The Chaotix now have a relaxing night security job at the famous pizzeria Freddy Fazbear's, but not everything is as it seems. For when the night shift starts, the nightmare begins. All the Chaotix have to do is keep an eye on monitors and survive five nights with killer animatronics every night from 12 a.m. to 6 a.m. How long do they last? Can they survive till the next day? Can Vector solve the dark mystery behind this restaurant before Charmy becomes another victim? Does SBO use his ninja skills to outsmart the animatronics? No, the animatronics they're going up against are Freddy Fazbear, Bonnie the Bunny, Foxy the Pirate Fox, and Chica the Chicken and her cupcake. I feel like the obvious answer is, oh, they're getting so scared and spooked by the spooky animatronics and ha ha ha. But these are the chaotics. (laughs) Not only do they have experience destroying machines left, right, and center, but the comedy option is to not go the obvious route. So you have Vector watching the monitors and being kind of weirded out. Oh, why are they moving now? They're not supposed to do that. Charmy, go check it out. Aspio, go check it out. You know, he's finding these notes and getting comments about the purple guy. Well, yeah, Espio's on his team. Espio's investigating it. What are you talking about? Get out of here. And then, you know, somebody pops out of the ventilation shaft to do the jump scare. He's like, ah, it's a robot. And he just bites it in half. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He would just, like, tail swipe it or chomp it or punch it. <laughs> like, yeah, SBO radio's in. They're in the ventilation shaft. Okay, that's annoying. It pops out. Ah, crunch! Gone. <laughs> One of them grabs Charmy and stuffs it inside, and Charmy's small. He's just kind of stuck inside the inner workings. Guys! I got eaten again! Help! <laughs> Charmy, our shift ends in like 30 minutes. Save yourself. Okay, fine. Just busts out of the chest or something. <laughs> five nights, more like five minutes of Freddy's. <laughs> 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 
cleared the place out. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, but then there's no more animatronics to be the band during the day. Now what? Well, here's your problem. You had Eggman Tech in your place. Yeah. Was it Eggman Tech? Mm, mysterious. Mm. And then they start investigating. <laughs> I guess the chaotic have to fill in as the, ba- the band for a while, huh? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Charmy just screams, "Bee bee bee, Charmy bee!" <laughs> Purple man outs himself, just trying to shut Charmy up. <laughs> Vector found the computer room. <laughs> e. Here's a question from Finest Cacophony. All right, come Crumblecast. Picture this. Omega and Gemeral have to swap roles. So Gemeral is the Team Dark Powerhouse and Badnik Hunter, whilst Omega gets to be Super Daddy. How does this go, and just how many Morkits payments will Vanilla need to take out? <laughs> well, Gemeral's going to be fine. If anything, he's kind of a breath of fresh air, because he's not going to go flying off the handle. He's going to wait and be strategic and surgical in his strikes, to which Shadow and Rouge are kind of like, oh... How nice. We could have this all the time. And your color coordinated with us. How wonderful. <laughs> Omega, meanwhile, he's not built for domestic duties. You know, Gemeral doesn't mind vacuuming. He likes being helpful around the house. Omega does not like vacuuming. He would It would take a little bit of processing power for him to rationalize. Why is he doing this? Destroying dust motes. <laughs> Using specialized equipment to destroy tiny particulates. Eradicate all germs. Deploys the flamethrower. Cleanse with fire. No, Mr. Omega, don't. (laughs) Blows out the windows. Windows not existent, no longer dirty. Cannot be dirty if they do not exist. There's broken glass everywhere. Deploying vacuum of doom. (laughs) I was not built to bake cookies. And yet I did it. I am a good boy. <laughs> They're inedible, but they are baked. That's all that matters. <laughs> you didn't say how you wanted them baked. <laughs> <laughs> you did not specify. <laughs> Furniture is in the way of vacuuming. Install and ceiling. No longer in the way. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> It's like launching the sofa into the second floor, stabbing the dinner table into the ceiling around the chandelier. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, poor vanilla and cream. Not a not not a good swap for them. <laughs> no, but at least Jermel will fix everything when he gets back. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and our last question before we take a break is from Happy Times. We know you love your references and deep cuts, and that got me thinking about how some of that may fly over the target audience's heads. This isn't a criticism towards you, but more that despite Sega making a lot of the classic era games easily available for present-day audiences, minus a couple like Chaotix or Sega Sonic, a lot of modern stuff, especially the 2000s era, don't get releases with colors being a rarity. While some like 06 have been deliberately delisted for their bad reception, games that got mixed to outright positive reception like the Rival series, Riders, Storybook series, Heroes, the Rush series, and the GBA games are still only available on their original hardware, despite still being referenced in current media like mobile games and the comics. 
and kids are less likely to find and be able to purchase older consoles and games. A whole generation of Sonic fans may miss out on the experiences that were fundamental to older Sonic fans. So I was wondering what your thoughts on this were, and which games you think should be re-released, slash remastered, slash remade, etc. that haven't yet. And this kind of goes back to what we were discussing with Amy's characterization earlier, is, you know, like you just said, a whole that entire arc of her character comes from games and systems that most kids don't have access to anymore. Um, and it's one thing to emulate and redistribute a bunch of 16 bit and eight bit ROMs, but it's another thing for something like the writer series or the adventures of that takes considerably more time and effort to just reproduce, to be reaccessible, let alone be remade or remastered. Um, so I understand why it hasn't been done just purely from a cost effective point of view. And a lot of those titles were not super well received. I'm looking at you know, the storybook games in particular, and I don't know how well the writers games did, but I don't think they really broke sales records. So why go to the time and effort to you know make these accessible when they weren't really well received at the time? Uh, outside of archiving and making the lore accessible, but <clears throat> let's be honest, the lore is kind of something that the Sonic fans want. It's that that's the niche audience. Uh, and I think there's also something to consider in that the Sonic fandom is fairly unique in just how robust the knowledge base is like the amount, the, the fact that there are multiple wikis, with extensive coverage of all these lost games, you don't really see that in a lot of other fandoms. And I'm not saying Sega is banking on that because I don't think they are or that they should even, but it's not quite as inaccessible as say, I don't know any of the other mascot platformers from over the years. Like if somebody wants to know who the Babylon rogues are, Google and you'll get all you ever wanted to know. <laughs> both canonically and otherwise. So I, what I, what I would love to see is like larger compilations to give you more bang for your buck, like re-release adventure one, two and heroes all together, you know? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, one and two, the job's already kind of yeah. done ish for the most part. Put all the GBA titles there together. really should be a GBA collection of Sonic games. It's a little weird that there's not. Um, I don't know how you would properly do the DS games, 3DS games, the the dual screen games, because that doesn't really translate well to anything outside of its home system. But I don't know, maybe somebody up there is smarter than me. Wouldn't be the first time. I mm -hmm. uh, shoot even get the Rivals games out there. Package them with the advanced games. You know, I I, I liked them. <laughs> what? What? You know, put all the racing games together in one package. You know, Sonic's Racing Grand Prix Extravaganza, something or other, so that you're not banking on the historical value of a single game, but the novelty of all of them at once. Maybe I don't know, but I again, the 3D games would be much more costly and time-consuming to reproduce in any format it's not quite as easy to churn out as something like Sonic gems collection or Sonic origins or, you know, the 16 bit era stuff. Yeah. Uh, the, 
there are ways. I mean, if Sega were willing to like take fan patches and fixes and stuff like that and incorporate them into releases, that would be a way to do it. Like Sonic Heroes, the PC version, is the best way to play Sonic Heroes now, thanks to so many <laughs> mods and patches. Like it's the worst way to play it vanilla. Like it's just bad. Don't play it that way. But it, with with all of the fixes that have been done to it, it, it's basically like ready to go. Just just put it on Steam, Sega. Just take that version and be like, here you go, blop, here it is, <laughs> and it works. It's fine. <laughs> so, and, and you know things like that. So, Unleashed would be a bit of a would take some work. Unleashed mm-hmm. would definitely take some effort. Uh, I mean, the storybook games they did they ported. Uh, colors so it's certainly doable it's just a matter of like do they think it's worth the time and the effort and unfortunately the fact is is that it's just a lot easier to just throw some roms out there and go for it like it's kind of rare it's kind of rare for things to get the sonic origins treatment of being Mm -hmm. like remade from the ground up essentially and stuff like sega sonic or the storybook games or uh free riders you would have to rebuild it to work on a controller. You know, it's, you, you don't have, you're not going to build a trackball peripheral for this one release. You, you can't expect people to dig out their connect if they even bought it to play this one game. It would have to be seriously retooled under the hood. And that's a lot of time and money that I don't know if they'd be willing to do. I could be wrong. You know, I would be happily surprised. I don't know everything. I think there is actually a, a mod slash patch out there now that uh, gives Sonic Riders, Free Riders, uh, traditional controls. Oh, cool. So, Sega, call them up. Hire these people. What are you doing? <laughs> well, while we, give them chan- while we give them a chance to uh, get their stuff sorted out at Sega, let's take a break. And then we'll be back with more on this Bumblecast. have an ad sponsored by patron Dominic the Raccoon. Hello, listeners. Are you interested in platformer characters experimenting with narratives? How about varied combat systems? Or perhaps want to see more of the red guy that Sonic goes to the Olympics with? Then let me introduce you to Mario RPG Central, a fan-made Discord server. Dedicated to the surprising amount of Mario-themed RPGs released over the years, this community bolsters discussion channels, has custom emotes, and enjoys occasional events. With a moderation team that seeks to maintain a pleasant atmosphere, it's a chance to make new friends as well. So please consider joining the server or follow them at Mario RPG Central on Twitter with the links in the episode description below. We're back and we got a question from Hero Squad. Who would cut Cream's foot off to gain luck? Wait, not literally? Uh, uh uh-oh. Well, who's going to feel a mother's wrath afterwards? Dark question, right? Yeah, what? (laughs) No. No one would do that. (laughs) Not even Eggman? No. He wouldn't wouldn't be like, hmm, rabbit's foot. Why take just the foot when you can put the whole thing in a bad (laughs) thing? That's got (laughs) to raise the luck, right? (laughs) Not even Mimic or Surge? 
Now, Nimic doesn't mutilate. He just takes them out. And Surge <laughs> wants to destroy. She doesn't need anybody's appendages. That's gross. What are you talking about? <laughs> She's already been carved up. <laughs> I'm not even. Mephiles wouldn't do that. And he's evil, like the little literal personification of evil. <laughs> Maybe Infinite no. would do it because he's just an edgy little jerk. <laughs> yeah, but then you just imply that he needs extra luck to win, and that'll dissuade him immediately. Uh, okay. No. <laughs> now, at absolute most, I could see Rough and Tumble somehow <laughs> hearing about Lucky Rabbit's feet and deciding to steal Cream's shoes. <laughs> Not even Starline or Clutch? No, Clutch is smart enough not to fall for that, and Starline... <laughs> nah, Starline wouldn't fall for that. <laughs> oh, boy. Even Black Doom's like, look, I have standards. I can't do a Black Doom voice. <laughs> Terrible. I can't do that. <clears throat> I mean, maybe I could. It's a logical fallacy. How would the foot be lucky for the rest of the rabbit? Come on even now, I, let's get serious. Even I have standards. Hey, there you go. Yeah, there we go. I figured it out. <laughs> Took me a second. Lower it deeper into your chest cavity. I do not have a deep voice. I can't do it. <laughs> I have too much of a high pitched voice. <laughs> All right, here's one from JR Unbound. As it's scientifically proven that all of the best characters in any story are cats, could you both list some of your favorite cat characters? Oh, let's see. Battle Cat out of He-Man and Masters of the Universe. I mean, I guess Big and Blaze go without saying. Yeah, they're, they're default, yeah. Uh, Karabin out of the Dofus universe. He's delightful. Yeah, I like Sylvester. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Good yeah. father, or tries to be at the very least. <laughs> See Heathcliff. Heathcliff. No one should terrorize the neighborhood. <laughs> but he's still Yeah. Tony the Tiger is great. He absolutely is. <laughs> uh let's see. Claus McGee of the Nine Lives of Claus McGee is quite, quite the charming character. You can read his first digital issue over at BubbleKing.com right now. <laughs> Second issue's on the way. Wow. Go ahead and jump on that bandwagon as it crawls uphill. I mean, Puss in Boots. There you go. Puss in Boots. Hey. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Bubsy. <laughs> is it cheating to say the Thundercats? No. You can just say okay. the Thundercats. I don't mean Snarf. I mean the Thundercats. They're cats. Yeah. To a degree. They're on the loose. <laughs> oh, Swat Cats. Yeah. The Samurai Pizza Cats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Where are some other good cats? Uh, hmm. Is Felicia from uh, Darkstalkers count? <laughs> if we're going to count Thundercats, then yeah. Okay, proxy. I guess so. <laughs> I, I don't want to go too far down the line of the Necogen, but, you know. It's pretty close. Close enough. What about the cat bus? Yeah, that counts. <laughs> I've, I've never seen my neighbor Totoro, but that that cat bus looks, <laughs> looks wild. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. 
uh, Yakko, Wacko, and Dot? Are they cats? They're are they cats. are they monkeys? Are they dogs? <laughs> They're cute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Of the uh of the Disney afternoon cartoons, Bonkers was probably the least the lesser. Uh Gar- Eek the Cat. Eek the Cat? Oh man, Eek the Cat's pretty great. I like Eek. He just wants to help. Yeah, yeah. What are your thoughts on Garfield? I mean he's not my favorite, but I'd be lying if I didn't say I watched the old Christmas special a lot. And the old cartoon series a lot. I mean, Garfield and Friends is great. I don't care who you are. Like maybe, maybe the comic is overdone, like the the, the newspaper comic strip. But Garfield and Cats is fantastic. Garfield and Friends. Okay. My only aversion to Garfield is just the overexposure. I think yeah, so. He's everywhere. Yeah, and that gets a little tiresome. But he himself. I mean, yeah, nah, he's he's good. he's fine. I mean, come on. How can you? How can you not love the voice of Orlando Music? Like, I could listen to that guy talk all day. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he, it's fantastic. I think that's enough cats. I think we've listed just about every cat. <laughs> Lorenzo Music. Did I say it wrong? I'm sorry. I am sorry. Oh, Hobbs from Calvin and Hobbs. What the heck is wrong with me? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I was going to say, now he's a tiger, but tigers are a a type of cat so yes 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 there are so many more cats i know but we've we've named all the big ones we've named all the good ones except pedantic cat we didn't mention pedantic cat catra we cat. also missed bagheera and Sheer khan yeah we're gonna be at this all day <laughs> those cat woman from <laughs> that ah! that's that's really pushing it i think <laughs> same with black cat from Marvel no, comics. No, 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 no. Like that's really pushing it. <laughs> they're not cats. They're just cat burglars. It's like calling it's like calling Rouge a cat. Alright. Let's get into this one from Morless. If anyone other than a male hedgehog could use the Chaos Emeralds to obtain a proper super form, it would be Blaze, right? So what if Blaze used both the Chaos Emeralds and the Soul Emeralds to become super burning Blaze? How powerful would she be? Would the force of her flames be enough to incinerate the sun itself? Would Giganto be a pile of ash before it was even able to swipe at her once? That would be so awesome. See, I figure if you're going to group the Soul Emeralds and the Chaos Emeralds together, that might as well just be hyper, you know? If Super Emeralds aren't on the table anymore, two sets of Emeralds, boom. Why not? (laughs) You know? I'm being told that the two gems would cancel each other out. No, that's no fun. (laughs) With all this power combined, I become normal. No, I refuse. <laughs> I refuse. Although that would be kind of funny. <laughs> that would be pretty funny. But super burning blaze, though. Super. See, I want. I would want to keep the alliteration going. If she gets a super state, call it brilliant. Yeah, she's gonna go the golden form. So you know, brilliant burning blaze. <laughs> Something like that. The best so place. Like, so like that day glow pink or just gold and do kind of a rose gold metallic burning thing like liquid metal that's constantly on fire. <laughs> that's because she rules. And yeah, 
undefeatable starts up. She snaps her fingers. Giganto just kind of flails for a moment, and then he's gone in a pillar <laughs> of fire that can be seen from orbit. Who is the undefeatable one in this scenario? Yeah, we 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 know. We know. <laughs> uh, give Blaze the power. She deserves it. Here's one from Mixiger 17. Just for fun, since none of Sonic's family members even ever have powers outside of magic amulets, and while Sonic does work to improve his super speed, he has still been clearly shown being born with it. So what powers would you give any members of his family in any previous media, if any? Now, it's been a while since I saw Underground, but didn't Sonya have a spin? Yeah. Kind of like Blaze's axle spin, or was that based on her medallion? I thought? I don't know for sure. Like, I could have sworn she had her own spin, and that they were planning on having Manic have a kind of uh, like ground trimmer thing, although that might have been through the drums. But, you know, in virtue of the question, give Sonya the Sonya spin. You know, the upright axle spin like Blaze has, like Surge has, like SBO used to have. Mm-hmm. Give Manic the downbeat, so he, it's the bounce attack, but it causes a radial effect, area of effect. There you go. Yeah. Give Longclaw the power to fly. <laughs> uh, anybody else? I don't know. I kind of like Uncle Chuck just being a dude. <laughs> well, he's a genius. He's a mechanical genius. Yeah. I guess that is kind of a power. Uh, I mean, it's a superpower in like comic books and cartoons and stuff. So might as well. Like if we were to pie in the sky, bring back Polly and Brenda, mm-hmm. I want them to be like, Maybe faster than most, more nimble than most, but I wouldn't want them like Sonic level. Mm-hmm. Like, let them be kind of impressive as adventurers themselves, but Sonic eclipses them by, I always saw it by a mile, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. It's like, by a mile. No, say something original. By a mile. Say something original, Flynn, oh, for once a, in your life. By a kilometer. By a kilometer. <laughs> ah! <laughs> say something original on this show? <laughs> Why? <laughs> What's the point? Uh, maybe they could give Tom his optic blasts back. <laughs> he needs those. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to this one here from Noni. Decided to rewatch Captain N for some reason. And I was thinking... Seeing all the series that Nintendo, Capcom, and Konami have made in between now and when the show was in its heyday... How do you think Captain N would have tackled modern game series such as Splatoon, Pikmin, Dead Rising, and what are the, whatever the hell Konami has going on right now? Metal Gear, Silent Hill? Maybe it's just Game Boy's younger brother, the Pachinko Machine. <laughs> <laughs> he gets so nervous, he spills little balls all over the floor. Oh, no! Oh, the bad guy slips on them. Thank you, little Pachinko. Oh, yeah. Now, this, this would be horrendous. Like... <laughs> They would misinterpret Olimar as like some kind of weird deep sea diver and that the whistle is more like a snorkel. (laughs) Oh, no. And the Pikmin themselves would be just individual characters, not actual like a race of beings. Mm -hmm. And they would all have weird little voices like this and, you know, subsist on nothing but plant puns. Uh, Splatoon. Oh, we were talking about earlier the misuse and the dated use of popular slang. <laughs> if you're not already having vicarious cringe, you don't know Captain N. Oh, I mean, yeah, that's the whole point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Captain N and the paywalls of microtransaction. <laughs> 
Like you would have just two inklings riffing entirely with dated lingo in the worst possible delivery. And they would have actual like paint guns. I mean, yeah, like it, mm. they're just, they're just kids with masks and paint guns. <laughs> they're not even squids. <laughs> and they'd be from like squid ink, New York. That's the pun name they come up with. Yeah. It's not a pun, but that's what they call it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, now, Frank West, being the wacky grunkle to Captain N, would be worth this pain trip. <laughs> just by itself. I mean, you don't have to change him. He's the no. same. He's exactly the same. Yeah. I mean, you can even have him cover wars, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And you know, they're they're cruising through crowds of zombies in the most bloodless, violentless fashion imaginable. Mm-hmm. You know, oh no, we have to get across this infested mall. I have an idea: crowd surf, and they just ride across <laughs> the grasping arms. <laughs> I can't believe this is working. <laughs> Trust me, kid, I've covered wars. You know, and then the background is looping over and over behind them, and then <sighs> Metal Gear. <laughs> I don't even know how you would do Metal Gear. <laughs> Metal Gear. Metal Gear. I, I guess they would just play it straight, like without any of the actual goofiness that's inherent to the series. Solid Snake's on a mission, and they kind of treat it like they did the Mega Man episode, where they have to like shoot a light gun at each of the villains across Shadow Moses. And they go, ah, I'm defeated, and they turn into light. And they collect, like, their collector cards or something. Yeah, whoa. Ah. Hmm. If for some reason Metal Gear Rex looks more like an actual dinosaur. <laughs> well, I mean, it says Rex. <laughs> Big boss is there, and he's just, like, your stereotypical, like, kingpin-esque dude in a suit who's the literal large person in charge. Large boss. <laughs> ooh. <laughs> Otacon would be even more insufferably nerdy than he already is. <laughs> Featuring Dante from the Devil May Cry series. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. And Silent Hill would just become a Scooby-Doo episode. I mean... I mean they're running through the yeah. opposite doors in the hallway with Pyramid Head chasing after him with some pop music playing in the background. There you go. That's Captain N. Silent Hill. Captain N. That's Captain N. All right. God, this is a nightmare. I love it. <laughs> oh, oh man. <laughs> he would have a literal Egyptian pyramid for a head, though. <laughs> like, like it would be completely off model. <laughs> they turn him into some kind of talkative ancient pharaoh because it's a pyramid head. Yeah, of course. Ah, yeah. Hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Terrible. Awful. When is it coming out? <laughs> I'll watch the <laughs> hell out of it. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, there's so many glitches and things happening and keep falling through the floor because, you know, games are so unfinished these days. Uh, good stuff. Here's a question from Rockamillion. I've always been fascinated by the concept of Sonic and Tails having a conflict with each other. The idea of the two brothers' unbreakable bond being put to the test by having them be against each other and possibly even fighting really excites me. 
Sadly, the two times we got this story, it was done badly. I would really love to see someone take another shot at a Sonic vs. Tails scenario, except this time well-written like it deserves. Would you ever consider doing this type of story again? Maybe. I mean, if there's a point to it other than to make them fight, if there's something to grow from, if there is some central conflict that can be made from it, sure. But if it's just, hey, it'd be fun to see them fight. I mean, there is some appeal to that. I ain't gonna lie. Mm-hmm. But I'd want there to be a little more point to it than that. Because the the question is, after they fight, what happens? And if it's they don't reconcile and come back stronger, then I don't want to go there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think nine really counts. No. Not gonna have a... That's not going to have a lasting effect on Tails and Sonic's relationship, most likely. So, unfortunately. I mean, if you could do a setup like they did in Wakfu between Yugo and Edamai, that's at least compelling, but I really, really, really hated what they did with Edamai after that. So, yeah, let's not do that. (laughs) All right, here's a question from Scourge Time. Scourge once again uses his supercharged warp ring, and this time he ends up in the Tales of Symphonia series. What adventure will the green evil hedgehog have in this world? Any fun story ideas? <sighs> if he if he ports over early enough, I kind of like the idea of him actually liking Lloyd and his you know concept of just hating justice as a you know it, as a concept as like this lofty goal that no one actually can define you know lloyd's ultimately while he's trying to save the worlds he's kind of tearing down the very structure across them both and i can see scourge going oh you find the establishment i can get behind (laughs) that fixing the world and nobody's perfect but whatever sure let's take on the church and all the governments at once why not I mean, what's that? You have to beat up gods to make them your friends? Cool. I <laughs> like in. your style, kid. I'm in. <laughs> like, he wouldn't be sympathetic or supportive to anyone. If anything, he'd be mocking Khaled as she lost her humanity. Oh. But, <laughs> and, you know, there would be a certain degree of, we don't like you. Why are you with us? But he's useful. I think he'd stick around. Like, just the excuse to come around with these powerful individuals fighting the establishment, literally to tear it down because it's unjust. I th- I think he would be part of the party, willingly. Maybe drop out at some point because uh, you guys are lame, but he might come back around. Maybe, maybe. Hmm. He'd probably lose his temper with Zelos more than once, but who hasn't? Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> I mean... Uh, yeah, it's true. No, maybe he comes back after they recruit Regal and is like, wait, now you're getting another convict in? Oh, I see how it is. You missed me that much. I, I'll <laughs> hang with you. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> maybe be a little antsy around Perseo, what with a little pink girl wielding a large melee weapon, but she's way more chill than Rosie is, so he'll work with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) All right. Before you get too off into the weeds, Ian, because I know you could talk about this story idea for hours, probably. (laughs) I'm already starting. What would his mystic art be? Please save us. No, (laughs) we must move on. We only have so much time, Ian. (laughs) This one is from Scurvy Pirate Dog. So in the Archie Mega Man comics, one thing Dr. Light talked about that he hoped would be accomplished one day were real thinking robots. 
basically robots with actual free will. Now, with the crossovers with Sonic, it got me thinking. Eggman, he's kind of done that. With robots like Gamma, as one example, some of his robots have gone against their own programming. Well, I'm sure it's up for debate whether that's free will for the sake of the question. Let's assume it is. How would Dr. Light and Dr. Wily react to the fact that Eggman, this evil monster, accomplished this before either of them? I think there is a long, arduous debate to be had if robots like Gamma and Omega in general are fully autonomous like a reploid or if they're just extremely adaptive like a robot master like it's omega's single-minded fixation on destroying eggman and his forces his choice or is it a limitation within his programming because he was built to destroy you know possibilities ah but um for the sake of this question we're just going to assume autonomy uh I, i think light would be chagrined you know here is someone who has worked so carelessly and cavalier to the detriment of others. And yet he's achieved this grand thing. Maybe Thomas just needs to spend more time in the lab. Maybe touching grass was not a good idea. He has to get back to work. Uh, Wiley insanely jealous, <laughs> like cannot hide it. Not even going to pretend to be nice about it at first. No, he's just, once those things click, it's like, Oh, so you just had to show me up. Hmm? You're worse than he is. Forget Thomas. You're now my rival. <laughs> Base, get him. Hmm. Light would love Belle, though. Like, let's not oh, beat around the bush. Yeah, and she would adore him. If she has to, like, <laughs> escape to any universe, let it be classic Mega Man. She'll live happily ever after. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Light is, is Belle's real father. <laughs> new dad <laughs> oh oh so wholesome here is a question from spoiler 1001 how far back was shadow starting to regain his memories at the end of sonic heroes he said some th- he said some things never change in regards to something rouge said which implied he wasn't a completely blank slate that heroes implied he was i don't know and I don't think anybody does. The follow-up game doesn't shed any particular light on it either because by the end of it, he's like, eh, forget it. (laughs) So maybe inklings here and there, but battle seems to suggest that he doesn't have a ton back. I don't know. Inklings? I don't know. Inklings here and there, you say? (laughs) No, Captain N, you were like three questions ago. Get back. Get back. Woo me. (laughs) (laughs) This is what you wanted, wasn't it, Maria? A chance for everyone to be fresh. (laughs) Marie for life. Get out of here, all you Cali fans. No. (laughs) I mean, yes, but also, no. I love them both. How can I choose? How can I choose just one of these uh, amazing uh, stars of Splatoon, Ian? These amazing... (laughs) Characters that Splatoon has. How can I choose? Here's one from Stardust Spectre. A non-story related Superstars question. Featured in the battle mode and various other points in the game, the metal prototypes are one of the more interesting additions, in my opinion. Now they're called prototypes. So has Eggman had these things in storage since before CD? Or was Metal Sonic designed first and the prototypes made later as a template for future models? I don't know, and I don't know how much they factor into the lore. Um... I like I don't know how much goes for 
gameplay mechanic, like they're just battle mode bots, and how much of it can be said as part of the greater narrative. So that's TBD. The lore. You betray the lore. <laughs> Here's one from the might of Geburah. Are other gods, actual deities, general transcendent life forms like Solaris in Sonic? Who knows, because we haven't met them yet. Who transcends life forms? Transcends life. Mm, interesting. Ian Flynn, are you a god? <laughs> no. <laughs> Not even the god of Sonic? No. <laughs> okay, good. Not uh, even the little G. Oh. Well, maybe you should have said yes, so you don't get, uh, so you don't die. <laughs> At best, I'm like a weather-beaten kami shrine <laughs> that you find hidden in the weeds in some back road that nobody's been to in the past hundred years. <laughs> Sounds like something a god would say. <laughs> Leave me an offering of a Kit Kat bar and you won't stumble on your way back to your car. That's my blessing. <laughs> Hashtag knowing smile. Those are the <laughs> those are the signs. <laughs> uh, there is no God, only Zool. Here's a question from Thievius. Sonic is placed in the world of God of War 3. His job is the same as Kratos' in that game, to defeat all of the Greek gods in that universe. Does he complete the task? If not, which god is finally able to bury that blue rat? <laughs> See, now you got me thinking of Sonic like run along Gaia a la Frontiers, and that's kind of cool. That is pretty cool, yeah. And oh, it's been so long since I played God of War 3. Like, a lot of the boss fights were kind of down to earth, so to speak. Very, mono, from what I remember, mono and mono. So. I could see Sonic tangling like that, beating them people up. He wouldn't kill them, though, probably. No, 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 no. No ripping things off of gods or shoving swords through people. He would just, like, spin dash a lot. Yeah. But, you know, he's taking down chaos and all sorts of folks. I think he'd get a few licks in. And it's the Greek gods. Yes, they're incredibly powerful, but they're also known for kind of collectively being chumps. So, eh, he'll be fine. <laughs> Does Sonic meet Hermes? I don't know. Does God of War 3? Does Did Hermes last to God of War 3? I don't even know. <laughs> yes. Did he's he? from very early boss fights. There you go. He's going to race him, huh? Is that what it's going to be? <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and here's a question from Wildcard717. What do you think the what do you think is the best use of a crush forty lyric you've ever included in a comic? If I had to pick, I think it would be Super Neo Metal descending from his throne saying, Come, show me what you're made of. <laughs> that is Because you know what super, it's referencing. That is but super it cool. works well on its own. Yeah. Has anyone, like, gathered all of the references to Crush 40 that you've made? Crush 40 lyrics? I have enough I, hours in the day. Because I cannot, I, keep, I cannot remember them all. <laughs> like, I, ne- I Never Fear the Fall was pretty good, honestly. Ah, that, w- that was, that was wedged in there. It was wedged in there pretty, 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 pretty hard, but I don't know. There was still something about it. <laughs> That that's Adam's art carrying, doing all the heavy lifting. I mean, 
I can't remember them all now, which kind of says something. I can't either. I'm trying to remember them all. Like, and some of them are a little ham-fisted, to be sure. But <laughs> some of them are real ham-fisted. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the majority of the folks seem to enjoy them for what they are, and as long as it's you know the occasional thing, <laughs> I think it's all right. Uh, I'm glad one at least got into Frontiers eventually. All right, here's one from Windstar Osprey. With the creation and positive reception of Sage and Trip the Sungazer, and the reveal that Sega is easing up on some of their mandates, does mm. the... <laughs> I was going to say, where did that come from? <laughs> does this mean the possibility of more human and non-mammalian characters appearing being more likely? P.S. Thank you, Bell and Wonderworld, for showing us that humans can be done in the Sonic style and not look weird. <laughs> uh oh. Yeah, well, I mean, agreed. Uh, agree there. Uh, I mean, at least Elise looks good. Yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking of the farmer from the first Balan world. And- <laughs> Yeah. it works within its own style but to say it doesn't look weird is being awfully they, they have their own style and they won't change <laughs> um let's see uh no because just because something happens doesn't mean it sets a precedent which is a extremely difficult lesson i've had to learn the hard way over the years this isn't this isn't legal. This isn't like the courtroom, unfortunately. You're not yeah. in the courtroom of Sega. <laughs> like I cannot cite Trip as an example for more reptilian characters. It's just like, no, Trip was made for that game. And it's like, oh, okay. You know, we, we got Jewel in and it's like no more bugs. But we got Jewel. Yes, no more bugs. Okay. And humans are a whole other thing. So maybe we'll see something in the future, but do not necessarily take them as a sign of anything. Mm. Mm. All right. And our last question on this episode is from Zaylock. Sega wants you to write an action heavy drama filled space opera starring Orbot and Cubot that showcases their escape from the middle of space during the events of generations. How'd you do this? What crazy space adventures would they have trying to find a way home? Uh, <laughs> Oh my God, that'd be fun. <laughs> I would love this. Why isn't this a thing? Like, it would have to start off with them kind of like doggy paddling through zero G, trying to get a little closer to Earth. Yeah. And then, like, a comet catches them and flings them off to the far reaches of space, or aliens swing by and grab them, and they just get embroiled in whatever bit of nonsense is going on the cosmic stage. And they either are incredibly intrinsic to resolving the issue through various shenanigans yeah or they're completely irrelevant but everyone sees them as the great heroes the the turning point for this epic war that's been spanning 1700 worlds for 1700 years that's a lot of 17s quiet you (laughs) and you know they're completely out of their element they're doing the best they can and half the time, what they accomplish is purposeful, and the other half is they don't even know that they're there. Like, I imagine there's an entire space adventure where they go into power-saving mode, they're just shrunk into their geometric shapes, and they just kind of bounce around. You know, they fall into the gears of the evil <laughs> Space Lord's robot dragon and manage to just 
destroyed from within. They're ping-ponging around a warp drive and get flung to another wormhole that jettisons them back to Earth or something. Completely passive. And God, everything would have to be building to a punchline, and it would be great. This is a fantastic concept. Oh, this would be this would be just delightful. They, I, come on, Ian. This is this is a story pitch waiting to happen right here. <laughs> Orbot gets all big of himself, whips out a lightsaber, unhand her, you cad. And Cubot just looking at the beam saber, going, "How's it not a stop? Quiet, you." <laughs> uh, you. you if you want to ape some Star Wars, the E-series are bounty hunter robots chasing them down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good stuff. They evade the enemy armada because they're fighting over who gets to drive the spaceship. Yeah. <laughs> their tactics, their movements are so erratic. They're geniuses. I want to drive. No, I want to drive. I want to drive. No, I want to drive. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and they manage to just get home right in time for Eggman to come back. <laughs> time travel. It's weird. <laughs> All right. That's enough of this nonsense. Thank you again to our patrons over at patreon.com slash bumblecast, kofi.com slash bumblecast, and our YouTube members for making this show possible. Be good to yourselves, be good to each other, and we will see you next time on the Bumblecast. Take care, everybody. Let's go, gamers. Here's a question from Hat. Mm-hmm. Nope, sorry. And then this one, A10E. Gotta go get a freaking electrocardiogram in a couple weeks. Wow. In a, in a month still. Is he having a, a heart problem? I, the, doctor, the doctor said numbers, and it's like, numbers should be this, but his numbers are this. It's like, oh, that's not a good number. And she's like, no. <laughs> that is not a small number. That is a big number. Or it's the other way around. And she's like, you know, there's not really a lot of great options for heart disease in cats, but you know, no. I'll do this scan to see what, if anything, can be done. And if it finds something, we do something. And if it finds nothing, then it just means he's weird. Ugh. And you know what? That would be par for the course, wouldn't it, you little jerk? Mm-hmm. God, you're cute. Uh, I mean, they're pretty. They're pretty old now, aren't they? They're not geriatric, but they're getting older. Yeah. 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 Because I mean, when I was there, you'd already had them for a few years when I went up there, at least. Yeah, they're in their like fifteens ish range. Yeah, I don't know how old cats generally last. A lo- little longer than dogs, don't they? They usually get into their late teens, although my dad's cat was like 22 or so. Yeah. And. The chat's like, that's super old. The chats are like, the chat's like, that's old, Ian. <laughs> Sorry, Ian. Your cats are pretty old. Well, they're an excellent elf. But they're, yeah, I mean, you treat them well. I mean, their their coats are full, their eyes are bright, they're energetic, they eat well. They don't do anything outside of the litter box. Yeah. Yeah. They don't act. Anyway. Ian Cat Lore. <laughs> You've been listening to The Bumblecast, a co production of Bumble King Comics and the KNGI Network. Original theme music composed by Ken Coda Snyder. Remixed intro by T Lopes. 
Find out more information, along with podcast feeder links, MP3 downloads, and more at bumbleking.com and kngi.org. gonna say it's been how long has it been since well, i was up there eight years ago ian jesus we've been doing this show for just about eight years actually as yeah. of like this recording i think would have been around the time we started because we started in this show in october 2015 so here we are <laughs> here we are <laughs> it does not feel like it's been four years since covid became a thing even shut up uh, I'm sorry. It's just the reality of the situation. I can't. Reality I, sucks. I'm tired of reality. I know it does. It sucks balls. But here we are. <laughs> uh, Whoever's running the simulation, let me take over the code for Christ's sake. Uh, oy, oy. I don't know, man. I don't know if I trust you with any code. That ain't going to be you know solid code, but I can't do any worse than what we are now. <laughs> I personally think having occasional bits of no clip is a reasonable exchange for world peace. Uh, I'm, okay. I mean, yeah, yeah. A little God mode never hurt anyone. <laughs> I...